The views and opinions expressed on the podcasting couch are solely those of the contributors and do not reflect those of our other guests, sponsors, or distributors. Appearances on this podcast should not be viewed as an endorsement of any other guest, past or future. Coming to you via the magic of the internet, it is episode 40 of The Podcasting Couch, a podcast in which I, your host, Chris Carlson, sit down with content creators and discuss their lives, inspirations, methodology, and anything else that may come up during the conversation. Episode 4-0, you guys, I just want to take a second to say I am very excited that we are slowly but surely chugging our way halfway to 100, so I mean, we're not even close to 100, but hey, we're almost halfway there. Almost, so there's that. (laughs) My guests this week are Carrie and Megan, hosts of the Vocal Fries podcast, a podcast about linguistic discrimination in which we learn about how we judge other people's speech as a sneaky way to be racist, sexist, classist, etc. Carrie and Megan teach you how to stop being an accidental jerk. This week, we discuss the meaning of linguistic discrimination, geeking out on different languages, finding topics in the scope of linguistic discrimination, and more. Music this week is provided by Her Name Echoes. The song is called On Your Own. Her Name Echoes is a larger-than-life rock band from Tucson, Arizona that delivers a unique musical experience and energetic live performance with infectious anthem-style choruses and punchy rhythmic verses. We're going to listen to On Your Own and then jump right into my conversation with Carrie and Megan. This is The Podcasting Couch. We'll be right back. show that has more than one host is to ask how you guys met like um that's i think that's where we'll start okay sounds good yeah um well i met carrie in 2008 because she was my professor um Mm -hmm. at arizona state university um i guess we didn't technically meet meet i just shared it mostly (laughs) (laughs) i learned from you (laughs) 
Yeah, that's right. We didn't talk that much, but yeah, we technically met then. She was actually in my very first class at Arizona State. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You had just moved to the U.S. too. That's right. Yeah. Right after. So, so, uh, how did, um, the conversation for, um, for starting the podcast, um, as far as like deciding what the topic was going to be, um, to figuring out was going to go, um, and we'll kind of get more into the nitty gritty of all of that as we go. But, uh, I just want to start out with kind of how the idea for the podcast came around. Well, so I've been thinking about what I wanted to do. So I've, I, as a linguist, I've, I've always wanted to spread the word about how important language is and how important it is not to judge people for how we speak. And I'd given a TEDx talk about it in Chandler, Arizona, a couple of years ago. And I realized, I think maybe it I should write a book about that. So that was my first thought. And then I thought, well, I don't really have a platform. <laughs> How am I going to shop this book? And then I and I realized actually maybe starting a podcast about the topic of linguistic discrimination would be the way to go. And I thought, I can't do it on my own. It'll be boring if it's just me. So um, I thought, I know Megan really is interested in this topic as well. And so I asked her, hey, you want to be a co-host on this podcast? And she said yes. And so then we started brainstorming from there, like what kind of topics do we want to talk about? Um, And obviously vocal fry was one of the first things that came to our minds because women are constantly judged for it. And so that's sort of how our, uh, the name for our podcast arose. We were banding the name around like, what's a good pun for with vocal fry? Um, and then, uh, yeah, it just sort of grew out of there. Yeah. And I was actually in the audience of the TEDx talk and I've mentioned it on our podcast, but I was amazed at how amazed everyone was in the audience about what they were hearing. They really just did not know that linguistic discrimination was a thing that existed or potentially that they were doing you know, there were some light bulbs for sure where people, it looked like maybe they had realized that they were, had been doing something their entire so, lives probably. So let's, yeah. let's jump in. Let's jump right into that, that topic. Um, can you kind of explain, I mean, I know since there's a, uh, you, you guys are doing a whole podcast about it. It's a, it's a big topic, but kind of like the condensed version, I guess, of, of sort of that term means that linguistic discrimination. So it's discriminating against people for the way that they talk, for the language that they talk, for the dialect that they use, um, for the accent that they have, for any feature of language that you might use, Right, you can be judged for it. Right. And it could be physical as well. Um, you could have a lisp, right? Judging people for having a lisp, judging people for having... Um, what else? What other kind of physical or things that you might not think of automatically with linguistic discrimination? Well, you might discriminate against someone for being deaf or hard of hearing. So they're right. signing instead of speaking. And yeah. there is a lot of judgment about that. Right. So um, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I hear that and I, I, I think um, to myself, have because I, I, I listen to the show and I try to think, you know, have I ever done something like that? And I, I we, I, I'm sure, you know, we all like to think, no, not me. I've never done that. <laughs> I think I have been the, uh, the victim of it within, um, within my own family. I grew up, um, uh, kind of removed from, uh, a, a part of my family that was, um, uh, was, was Mexican, Mexican. <laughs> um, but because I didn't grow up around that part of the family, you know, I don't speak Spanish. Um, and because uh, very white and my mom is half white, I don't look like that side of the family. Um, sometimes I feel like kind of a bit of an outcast uh, among them. Um, I definitely um, understand the concept. I get, I get the, uh, get the idea of it and the feeling of it. Um, oh yeah. Uh, 
uh, one of our episodes we did on Chicano English, we, we talk about how um, there's a lot of um, Mexican-Americans that don't speak Spanish. There's like an in-group tension between, are you, can you still be Chicano or Mexican-American if you don't speak Spanish? I don't speak Spanish and I'm Chicana and I grew up with my Mexican-American family. Um, so I don't feel like an outcast that way, but I definitely feel like an outcast because I don't speak Spanish still. And that's like me internalizing linguist, linguistic discrimination, just the way that that you seem to have as well with not speaking Spanish. Mm -hmm. Th that is uh, at my high school uh, uh, days, something that I kind of regret not taking. Um, I took <laughs> German and uh, now to be. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you never know. Like you could have yeah. ended up in Germany. Well, I, I did. I did an exchange program, so it was useful for like those like. Um, <laughs> but it hasn't hasn't been since. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's always good to learn more languages. You learn more yeah. about cultures. Um, mm -hmm. We have this terrible. Uh, what's the terrible joke? Uh, what do you call a bi or someone who speaks two languages? Bilingual. Someone who speaks one language. American. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so it's like, for some reason in, in America, uh, we have different value systems around speaking multiple languages and who speaks them. So we prefer certain groups to speak multiple languages and other groups not to. Yeah, that was something that I noticed when I was um, to, to go to Germany. You know, I would um, I, I would be in like like a shop and I would ask for something and they could tell that my uh, my German was not super great and uh so they'd get really excited because they'd get an opportunity to practice english and i'm like no 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 please here to learn <laughs> not not to be comfortable but it's it's that weird thing where i think um you know like like you're saying uh americans tend to speak one language um so you come here from another another country speaking that that uh that language you're at a disadvantage but it seems like you can kind of go most places with english and be pretty okay yeah there's usually at least one person somewhere who knows english Yes, thanks colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the same with Spanish, right? There's a lot of countries yeah. where you can use Spanish again, result of colonialism. French as well. So I want to shift over to um, I want to ask about uh, because I know within um, different contexts, uh, words mean different things, um, and and. Uh, the the term linguist itself um, I find really interesting because uh, the reason that I say different contexts, you know, um, when I was in the military, uh, that's what I had enlisted, um, which all that meant was translator. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to in in your context what that term means. Yeah, it has well at least two. Well, I guess at least three meanings within sort of the American context. There's the, yeah, the translator, the linguist that works for the army or whatever. There's the polyglot, so a person who speaks multiple languages. And then there's the meaning that linguist, linguists, uh, academic linguists mean, which is people who study the structure of language. And that they, that could be so many different things, right? We can study the sounds, we can study the words, how they're built. We can study the syntax or grammar. We can study the meaning of things. Um, we can study the socio sociological uh, uh, factors for language. Um, there's psycholinguistics. I mean, there's just lots of different things within that field, but it's all about just studying language. And so you may or may not speak an another language. I uh, used to speak French badly <laughs> uh, and I, and I, and I uh, learned enough Squamish, which is an indigenous language spoken in Canada to have very short conversations, but it, I just don't have reason to use it here. So I'm, a, I'm functionally a monolingual again. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 sorry, no, I, um, I'm definitely a linguist of the, of the scientific sort, but uh, I, I have taken up Spanish where I can, can get by, but of course it would have been easier if my dad taught me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, there's tons of reasons why, and we talk about it on the pod, but yeah. So I say I speak one and a half languages. <laughs> oh, yeah. And actually, there's another meaning of the word linguist, which came up in our 
Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the last episode we just recorded, which will come out in a few weeks, but it was about Ghanaian English and other Ghanaian languages. And in Ghana, linguist can mean something more like the person who explains what the chief wants. Is that is that what is that the right way yeah. to say it? Like yeah, so, yeah, the chief yeah. spokesperson is the linguist, which I find so fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I know. Um, I think. Uh, talking about uh, speaking of a language, I think that is one of the kind of tragic things about languages. It feels like it is definitely one of those skills where if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, my, my German used to be really on point and then I started learning Arabic and then my German started slipping and now I don't speak Arabic either. So <laughs> I speak like, uh, again, like, yeah, just like I said, enough to get by maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's the weird thing about, about that kind of skill. It's definitely not like, but like they say the, you know, riding a bike, it's not the same at all. <laughs> it's a definitely a, a trickier skill than riding a bike. Yeah. Cause there's way more par moving parts in mm -hmm. the language, right? Like not only is there the vocabulary or the grammar and all that stuff, there's also all the sociological factors that you have to consider. Are you using the correct form in front of this person? Are you being rude? Etc. So just, yeah, I mean, I would have never known that I couldn't say the word tabernacle in French Canada, you know, like, these are things you learn by <laughs> growing up there or speaking. Or Again, I think you can. <laughs> okay. But if you use it as a swear word, <laughs> like, like, if you just say it as tabernacle, that's a swear word. But if you were to talk about the tabernacle as whatever Remember, it's like, I, I think it's the building, something yeah. to do with the church. I don't, we yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we never know, but that seems to be what I always go back to. But yeah, like in idioms, like kick the bucket, that's not something that you just, you know, you have to learn those nuances too when you're learning another language. Oh, absolutely. I know um, uh, a great example of that. And this is why I think, um, I wish that these programs were easier to get into. I, uh, I very much lucked into um, the the kind of financial situation to be able to do an exchange program. Um, I thought ahead enough from when I was born to start putting away money every year for my birthday, uh, so that when I got old enough to need a large sum of money at some point, I would be able to use it. Uh, so I lucked out there. But I, you know, learned all sorts of things that I wouldn't have learned in the class. Um, about how like uh one one good example that i always like to give is um when i was in german or when i was in germany uh with my host family they would say something and if i didn't understand it i would say uh the the only word that was available to me at the time which was was what and uh apparently extremely rude <laughs> um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's correct me and it took a while still for me to kind of get what I'm supposed to be saying in what, instead of just uh, what, what I have available to me at the time. Um, kind of what makes me so sad that I'm kind of starting to lose that language. So I'm trying to get back into consuming like media and things like that, that would have that so I can kind of start to refresh that. Um, yeah. That's a good way at least to keep it somewhat in your mind just to watch a German television show or something read a book in German. It's, it's hard work, but at least it refreshes the neurons a little. Right. I mean, the best is always going to be interacting with someone else. Of course. But, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, if I hadn't picked such a, uh, such a niche language, um, that might be <laughs> doable. <laughs> um, but as it stands, it's probably going to be just, uh, and that's the other thing that I'm trying to figure out whether or not I even want to continue to try to learn. It's like, it's a, it's a neat skill. But it's not necessarily, uh, I guess, um, aside from being able to say, I speak two languages. But other than that, I can't. A good use for it. But um, I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> I want to um, <laughs> shift the conversation um, back to the, the show. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask you guys um, how you go about uh, picking topics for episodes. I know, um, like, they're the the, the kind of episodes that you guys have covered have have covered so far a, a pretty large <laughs> different kind of languages and 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 so i'm just curious how you go about deciding topics uh first well it depends i guess sometimes uh someone comes up to us and says hey actually i want to go to the end of your show 
uh, I have a thing, I have a topic that needs to be discussed. So for example, Rachel Tatman, who wanted to talk about automatic speech recognition, she came to us. But often we'll have an idea, uh, we'll, we'll say to the other person, hey, do you, do you think it'd be a good idea to talk about this? So um, for example, uh, I want, we wanted to talk about black English at some point. And so I have a friend who works in rhetoric. So she's not a linguist and we wanted to talk to her. So hopefully she'll be uh, coming up in a, in a month or two. Um, but yeah, so it's just back and forth. Yeah, it's just a little nepotism uh, with uh, people that we know. Uh, but we usually, but, but yeah, but um, I mean, the linguistic community is small, but we have a like we specifically don't just want linguists um, mm -hmm. because the thing about language is how universal it is. Whether we use our hands or our mouth, um, it's universal. So uh, yeah, who surely? Oh yeah, we had an, we had a award-winning poet um, on one of our as one of our guests. Um, I'm sure we will have many more that aren't linguists as well. But it's good to to also to have non-linguists sometimes because they aren't using jargon that we always have to stop and think about. Um, yeah, because we have so much jargon. I mean, every scientific every scientific field does, um, yeah. but we forget because we're just so used to it. So you know, I can talk about creaky voice or instead of vocal fry, that creaky voice is sort of the more linguistic jargony way of saying it. But that's not how people think about it. And it's not really all that helpful. So right. Yeah. And it kind of just depends on what's happening in the news, too. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to do an interview on trans language this week. And it's it's because it's becoming much more um, at the forefront of everyone's minds because of media. So and it's very important. I also want to point out that Everybody probably has judged someone else's language and probably almost everyone has been judged for their language. So it, it really does, it is a, really, a universal experience, linguistic discrimination. And I think that's why we really wanna tackle as many different topics as we can, just to show, hey, actually this does impact you. And maybe that's why you shouldn't do it to someone else in this case. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, before I uh, stumbled across the, the show, it was definitely, um, I'd never really given any real thought to. Um, said it's something that likely affects everybody, but I think it's something that maybe a lot of people don't, uh, unless you're talking like really overt stuff, I think it's something that maybe like a lot of people don't necessarily realize is, <laughs> is happening per se. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know a good way to phrase that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, absolutely. It's yeah. very under the surface. People, we, we're basically taught to be discriminatory with language. We are taught, hey, if you use double negatives, that makes you stupid. Yeah. And that's really unfair and untrue. Yeah. I mean, in our English courses, we're, we're taught, right? Um, the, I don't know, what our ever, uh, episode four or something, when we did uh, grammar uh, Nazis, um, that's the one that most people are, honestly. And it, did you like know that you're actually, like it's uh, discriminating against someone for the way that they write? Um, or, you know, if they don't know the difference between your and your, it could actually just be like a proxy for um, discriminating against people with dyslexia who have trouble, you know, with letters, seeing letters, or people um, of different classes because they don't have access to, um, you know, the education where they keep practicing these things. Because it's a practice to get, you know, the different yours down. Yeah, that, that, um, that makes sense. That that's, uh, I am definitely, uh, guilty of that one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, we all are. Me too. Yeah. I, mean, I was for a long time. It wasn't until I really started doing linguistics that I realized how douchey that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and with the rise of text messaging and social media, I realized I was like, Oh my God, look at all these people that I care about that don't know the difference between your, you know, I'm like, it's, it's so artificial that I was judging people on this anyway, as some sort of like measure of their goodness, you know? So, so thankfully actually text messages um, have helped me be less of an asshole too. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it, that's actually uh, what's kind of funny about that at the same time is that is um, catching slip ups on grammar is something that uh, I, I try to uh, limit to the house now in that, um, uh, very uh, 
in, in kind of, in a joking sort of way are very right on each other's grammar. Um, any kind of little slip ups and we, we definitely give each other uh, a good about a good amount of shit for it. Um, yeah. but it's, it's, it's more loving. So it, yeah. <laughs> it's not being an asshole in that case. <laughs> well, I used to do it with my partner too, but now if he ever cracks me on anything, I'm just like, I need you to listen to episode whatever. <laughs> or like, <laughs> you're going to need to listen to that again. <laughs> so, um, after after a, a topic has been um, decided on, uh, or, or, I, I'm curious how you go about reaching out to to show uh, uh, finding those guests in the first place, and then um, just kind of how how that part of the process looks. Social media, <laughs> Twitter has been very helpful. <laughs> I think uh, I don't know about you, Carrie. I think you've emailed more people, but I have the people that I have got for the show has all been through Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you're younger than me, so you use Twitter more natively than I do. <laughs> I, I definitely email more people or Facebook. I mean, it kind of depends on who it is and how close we are, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, so far, I haven't had anyone turn me down. So Same. Yeah, I mean, mostly it's a matter of if you're comfortable with it or not. We're not gonna, you know, we're nice and we're not going to do anything terrible to you. And our producer is going to make you sound great. So, um, yeah. And also, and also we want our guests to feel comfortable. So we'll say like, are there, what are, what are the topics that you want us to talk about? And also if they really are worried, we'll send them uh, the list of questions that we think we'll talk about. And, you know, we're never going to get into anything super personal unless they want to. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, Tito Rios, he got into some really personal stuff, but that was totally on his, um, he, he, that's what he wanted to talk about. And it was amazing. That was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I think it is my favorite episode. I mean, he's a poet, so he like bleeds emotion. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So <he> <laughs> uh, yeah, but mostly it's, yeah, it's, it's a really easy process. The, the biggest thing is getting a date for everyone. Yeah. But, you know. And time stuff. zones sometimes. Yeah. We're, <laughs> I mess them up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get that. Um, that's yeah. Yeah, the worst part of, of all of that stuff. Um, I, I, uh, plenty of times where the big difficulties uh, with scheduling um, is like, like, like for instance, with, with this show, I've got um and Sundays and that's it. Um I work I work nights so I have a weird schedule already and then um compound that with a Monday through Friday nights so it, it's not even like uh where if I had a, a normal you know schedule that normal human beings keep um I would be able to say, well, if you can't make it on the weekend, we could come in during the week uh, in the evening sometime. Nope. Right. When everybody else is normally available, uh, which definitely makes it a little difficult. So I, I totally, I totally get it with that. Uh, the idea of scheduling being not fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious as far as, um, so we've gone from, uh, we've decided the topic, we've got the guests, um, be in the other order, but I'm curious what uh, the research for a topic looks like after that. Hmm, I guess be prepared for the episode. I guess it well, depends on the on the topic and how much we already know about it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, with the vocal fry episode, I, well, it was also our first episode, so I think we over prepared because we yes. just didn't know. <laughs> yes, um, <clears throat> and then yeah, so yeah, I learned a lot about vocal fry because I really didn't know that much about it. I'm my training is in syntax and semantics of so grammar and meaning. And here we were talking about something like pure phonetic phonetics, like pure sound. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt like I wanted to be able to describe it properly without being confusing. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time on that one, but our last episode about uh, that we just recorded about Ghana English. I mean, I know nothing, but I, I thought this guy is the expert and he really knows all these topics. So I will just let him explain it to us. Yeah. So it really depends. Do we have a guest? If we have a guest, we're probably going to do less research. Um, do we know anything about it and how much do we know about it? And a good, uh, another point about that is that 
uh, since we're doing linguistic discrimination. Uh, the reason why we did vocal fry and we also did swearing without guests is because we do those things. Um, but we don't want to talk about issues that are personal to people that aren't part of our linguistic identity. So there's no way that just me and Carrie could have talked about Ghana, uh, Ghanaian English, right? That would have been insulting to pretend to like, and to for this guy to come on and us to be like, are you sure that's the way it's go? Like it is like, it's just, <laughs> you know, so uh, it's better just to like, let him t tell us and us be amazed. Like I learned the entire time he was talking, everything was just like a learning experience. So it's really awesome. Um, but yeah, again, we don't want to, to linguist explain anything to any of our guests. So we let them <laughs> teach us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious about, um, within that, um, kind of the, the wide range of topics that, that this sort of thing can cover. Um, I know within like every sort of interest that, um, that, that people have, uh, in any kind of field, like, um, I'm trying to think of how, how to word this properly, I guess, like specific topics that people really like geek out on or super like focus, like they could talk for, for hours about a certain <laughs> little topic. Um, uh, if you guys have anything like that um, and what it would be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Carrie. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Okay, you go ahead. Yeah, um, if, if we're talking about like really linguistic -y stuff that's probably really geeky that no one cares about besides linguists, my thing would be the past tense in English. I'm really obsessed with it um, for whatever reason. I could talk about it forever. I really love that kids say I braked something instead of I broke it. Um, I do child language acquisition, so that's one of the reasons too. But if we're talking about linguistic discrimination in particular, I'm very much uh, could talk forever about Chicano English or um, um, the Spanish and English situation in the the borderlands down here in Arizona. So yeah, for me, um, my most of my linguistics linguistic interests have been indigenous languages of, of North America, and it. Within that, it has been the noun phrase. <laughs> so I am interested in how noun phrases are built in indigenous languages throughout the continent, mostly Canadian, but I have worked on um, American languages as well. And one language that straddles the border between the United States and Mexico um, called Quichon. So um, what I'm really interested in is, so in English you add the, to to create a full noun phrase so that the cat becomes a full noun phrase but cat by itself is just not enough and some languages cats enough and some languages you need something else and so all the all this what we call functional superstructure i could go on about that <laughs> forever i could talk about how there's different kinds of plurals and all kinds of stuff like that linguistic discrimination side i mean i guess it would go back to the indigenous stuff because there's so much discrimination against uh, Native Americans in the United States or indigenous peoples in Canada. And that goes along with wh what language they use, which variety of English they use, if they're speaking their own language, how people think that indigenous languages don't have real grammar and mm -hmm. on and on and on and on. And it's, it's pure racism. And, and uh, yeah, that's my, that's my flag. <laughs> <laughs> and that's even if they're talking about them at all, right? Like mostly there's erasure. So it's like well, especially in the United States. So that was one thing yeah. that really shocked me when I moved here. So in Canada, there's a, there was this huge truth and reconciliation process that went on after I left. But there's certainly been talk about, hey, <laughs> there's actually been some cultural genocide here for a while. We talked about it for a while before I moved to the States. And then when I got to the States, there was almost no t discussion at all. You know, like TV shows, people will say, Oh, the the Chumash people were blah blah blah. No, the Chumash people are. They still very much exist. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. I think um, that uh, that idea of sort of acknowledging the past in, in in that context, I'm noticing is something that's coming up a lot a lot more. Like uh, I, I'm noticing more and more states are finally starting to take the move to go. Hey, maybe Columbus Day is a little bit messed up. Yeah. Um, maybe not the best thing that we did. Um, yep. And 
fascinating um the pushback on that kind of stuff i is something that i i guess um i tend to i think we all kind of tend to insulate ourselves um and so like i'm trying to do that less uh but there are certain things that i still like struggle with understanding like like something like that where you hear people go like that's why why we're getting rid of history is that what we're doing well no but i just i can't fathom like to columbus day that makes you so offended um well there is an answer to that it's whiteness yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 columbus day was created so that italians could be included as white people basically it was i only learned this very recently that it it was a way to like make to give italian americans something special Uh, uh, uh uh-huh but (laughs) He was a nightmare. He was a, he was a horrible he human was, being. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's no like but in that statement. Like he, <laughs> he's just a horrible human being. Period. Um, yeah. I I, I notice. Um, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, that it was it was to kind of include Italians in the purview of whiteness. That is a an interesting topic that I've been sort of starting to learn more about is the history the term white um, and how I think it's interesting that we're seeing, you know, we're, and I don't want to get too in the weeds on uh, politics because I think I have a feeling uh, we all align here. Um, and that kind of gets boring. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, but I'm noticing more and more, you know, the, the conversation uh, coming up and being seriously talked about of like, uh, like your your Richard Spencers and people of that ilk are being more taken seriously, I guess. And it's it's just fascinating learning the history of white and how you go, well, that word doesn't really mean anything per se. Um, because like historically, you know, you look at like uh like you said, Italians were at one point not white. Um some of the the whitest people you can think of like irish people were at one point not white and so it's like well what do you mean by that and and i think that there's i mean you already don't have to have very much reflection to get into that sort of mindset that that mindset there's no kind of like reflection into it well in us taking uh not uh, not me but people taking someone like um, you know, the, the Richard Spencer's of the world seriously is like, of course, like drenched in white supremacy, but it, there's linguistic reasons for that too, right? Like, um, he is white. He has a quote unquote standardized way of speaking. Right. So he sounds like the newscasters or whatever. Um, he, you know, it's all built around just like so many gross things, so many isms, right. Racism Mm -hmm. and, and also respectability politics. He dresses nicely. Yeah. So when we think of the KKK or we think of like um, old school racists, they they sort of had this like in our mind, hick, mm-hmm. yeah. um, using that in, with air quotes, hick, hick vert, like look, and he does not have that. He looks dapper as, as I think it was Mother Jones called him. And I think that's part of why he's become more accepted. And that's very problematic. Again, we shouldn't judge people for things that have nothing to do with who they are as a human being. Just because he looks nice does not make him a nice person. Just because someone dressed slovenly does not make them a bad person. Right. And when we talk to someone from Appalachia, um, they have to contend with the lingu- um, the discrimination uh, that many people uh I don't know, feel toward them because of this whole quote unquote hick uh, ideal or like the hillbillies. What's that show? Like Beverly, Beverly, Beverly whatever. Like that idea is what many people have in their head about people that live in Appalachia. And so um, we kind of, we hear someone speak that way. And so we assume maybe that they don't have much money or that, um, you know, all the other terrible stereotypes that come to mind just because of the way they speak, you know, so yeah, it, it, it is um, fascinating the le- learning more and more about because just starting to really get uh, in, into the weeds in these sort of topics. Um, uh, 
you know, here in, in Idaho, um, pretty red state. So, um, these are not the kind of topics that were necessarily coming up in school. Um, you know, we weren't talking about these sort of social things. Um, and, and so it's, I was lucky enough to grow up in a house that was very much, Hey, just don't be an asshole to people, you know, yeah. be cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. If somebody's doing something and it's not hurting anybody, why do you have to then? And at the same time, also trying to do the most amount of good for people that you possibly can. So I was lucky to grow up parents that were like that. But um, at, at the same time, you know, we grew up in, in, in and still live in a climate that really that very much. Um, I think I'm still working on learning. I think we all are, but um, I just find it really interesting how even I hear like uh, with like, I guess political sort of assumptions about people like um, you can hear about like, Oh, such and such is from, from Texas. And immediately your brain like, yeah. believe and what they must think um when it's similar for arizonans people think that arizona is this like wasteland of right-wing politics and i guess <laughs> for a while it i see why people thought that but this this state is much more varied than it looks on the national stage right yeah i think and the I nice the nice thing is we're starting to get more expansion from uh they're starting to move everywhere else as it gets more expensive. They're starting to kind of blew up the places a lot more too. Um, <laughs> I know out, out here, for instance, we've got, um, you've got Nampa and Boise, uh, which are like the two big city metropolitan um, areas in Idaho. And then you've got everywhere else, which is still very, very Republican. Um, but I, I'm noticing more and more in the, like the, the, the Nampa Boise area is starting to really into a much more uh, not quite progressive, definitely not progressive, um, but more just kind of, I guess it's the best way to say it. Um, and that's a weird thing too, the, the sort of the expansion and how it's starting to change. Um, I'm sorry. I, as a linguist, I noticed that you said Boise. Is that how you would pronounce it? I always said Boise. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and um, it is. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's. Um, uh, there's actually a big conversation about that mm -hmm. amongst people who live in Boise. That we, you know, <laughs> I always grew up saying Boise. Um, saying it wrong, I don't know, but no, no, <laughs> no there's no wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I believe. Um, I believe most people. Uh, living in the area, say Boise. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's interesting that you picked that up because I was going to ask about that too. Because I incorrectly always pronounced it Boise. And I know every time I hear someone from Boise say Boise, it always like triggers something in my brain. And I think, oh, you're right. That's the way you're supposed to say it. Yeah. I love, well, like I, I love place names for that because there's always like the, the local way to say it and the non local way. Yep. Yeah. Like, um, what's, what's like, a Illinois, I think, is one that a lot of people mess up. Um, yeah. Right now. But yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, well, here, there's a place called Prescott that everyone wants to pronounce Prescott because of the way it's spelled. I mm -hmm. think, I think I, uh, as you said that, I think my mind says, oh, that's probably spelled Prescott. Yep. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Or there's Spokane, Spokane oh, as well. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna try real hard to say Boise. Me too. <laughs> it's not gonna it's, work. I know. <laughs> I, I think um, I think Boiseans use it as like a like a tell. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Definitely. And, and yeah, it kind of gives you a, a tip off that someone might not be local. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's. Uh, I. It's just. Yeah. This. This. And that's why I love. Um, that's why I love shows like, or that's what I love about podcasting in general is that before podcasting became so, I don't want to say mainstream because it's still not, I think it's still a very niche thing. Mm -hmm. Ability to, to just 
listen to people do these deep dives into topics that you otherwise would have never really been able to listen to per se. Um, I just got done talking for the last like hour about how amazing the internet is and how much it's changed the way that we all kind of consume information. And it's a great thing, you know, um, like before when I've been able to go, well, I, I want to learn about uh, how different, languages are structured and and sort of what we what we garner from them and what we how we judge people based off of them before the internet I would have, okay you can find a book about it <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it's a beautiful thing about podcasts and i mean this has been a really quick kind of shift because i remember maybe a year or two ago before Serial, because I really got into podcasts after Serial, um, I was like, who is this asshole with a podcast? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but then Serial happened, and I was like, this is the best. Pod- <laughs> podcasts are life. Um. <laughs> my, my only gripe with Serial and um, NPR in general is they have are a little too high um <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I think i saw an article that said something about um serials website is a great example of what podcast websites should look like, oh. like awesome yeah you get me a team of like 20 people uh yeah. and i'll have that too but <laughs> no yeah we don't know yeah, do buzzfeed is doing buzzfeed is like asking is crowdsourcing a like an indie podcast list. Isn't that right, Carrie? Was it like specifically not really popular ones? Underrated, underrated I think is what it said. Underrated. So I don't so, think you have to be indie, but probably. <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea that, all right, so there are podcasts that exist outside of NPR's. Uh, wonderful. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> Everything's great. Yes. I love it. Yeah. 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 I am. I think uh, I think NPR might have been what got me into podcasts as well. I know I, I jumped on before. Uh, that sounds like hipstery, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, into it before cereal was cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first one was uh, Savage Love, and that was two thousand and nine. So it was it was many years before cereal. But I didn't like get into it. Into it, like I I listened to a few after cereal. Everything blew up. There were just way more options, and I think that's part of why I started listening to more of them. Mm-hmm. And they You're could tell stories. Sorry, go is, ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's what reminded me of it was Love Line is where I started. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, I don't know that yeah. one. They started putting that out as a podcast. Um, it was a uh, it was a radio. Right? Sh- no. uh, well, they so there was they had a program for a while, but they they used to be, and it's such a shame because they stopped uh, bankrolling it, and so they stopped doing it. But it was it was um, Doctor Drew and um, uh, just some other guy would do like um, a, a radio show at night, and with like. Uh, questions that they had about um you, you know this was before they started i think oh gosh years ago i think the show started um so back before you could just look it up mm. and people would call in with like uh relationship questions or like uh you know like sex advice and all sorts of stuff like that um my local radio station used to play it and so when I was way too young to be listening to it, <laughs> I would listen to it at night and, and then I stopped and I was like, I wonder if they're still doing that and looked it up and then found out that they of it. And um, that's how I got into podcasts. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting how uh, I, I think it, I, I don't like the big players in the podcasting because I feel like it kind of does like i said set that bar really high a lot of expectations but at the same time introducing more people to the medium so mm-hmm. kind of that give and take sort of thing about it yeah yeah absolutely it brings people into into the fold yeah. i think mm-hmm. so um the last thing that i want to do i kind of want to um as we wrap up i want to um I want to ask you guys if, if listeners like anything that they've heard, if they want to hear more about these topics or if they want to reach out to you guys um, doing those things. 
Yes, please do that. Listen to us and reach out. Um, we have, of course, the... Um, well, Carrie, why don't you do this? <laughs> okay, so you, yeah. you can listen to us uh, at vocalfriespod.fireside.fm. All our episodes are there. Or you can find us on iTunes or Google Play. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or Tumblr, all at vocalfriespod. So mm -hmm. it's all the same. Awesome. Yep. Oh, and, and our email address is vocalfriespod at gmail.com. Those links will also be in the show notes for Perfect. this episode to make it a little easier to click instead of uh, having to type all that in. Thank yeah, you. and if you've never heard us before, uh, start with the first one, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it gives you a go taste for of it. what we're like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Old. I, yeah. Bold statement. Not not a lot of people, um, myself included, say listen to the first one. I always say, uh, if you're listening to the show, jump it around. Like <laughs> that's where I started, kind of getting the hang of things. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, we we've grown a lot, I think. Uh, but uh, well, we we only have eleven episodes under our belt so far. So I yeah. guess like there's been growth, but I bet there's going to be more growth later. So. I don't yeah. feel embarrassed by our first episode. Maybe I will next year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. hey, uh, I want to thank you guys again for taking time out of your day to come on the show. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Well, and thank I hope you. you. did as well. Yeah, yes, I definitely so did. Yeah. It was nice to virtually meet you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you have a good one. Thanks. You too. That does it for this week's episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on whatever app you are using to listen so you don't miss a single episode. If you like anything you've heard today, links as always are in the show notes. If you have someone you'd like to hear on the show, email us at suggestions at thepodcastingcouch.com and we'll reach out. The Podcasting Couch is executive produced by Sirenicide and Max Cannon and is completely listener funded. To contribute to the show and help us bring you new shows every week, visit www.patreon.com slash thepodcastingcouch or click the support tab on thepodcastingcouch.com and become a producer. As always, this is The Podcasting Couch. I'm Chris Carlson. Be decent.